True Crime Podcast. I'm Jason Futch, and I'm happy to have you on this special mini-episode of From the Vault. Now, we had some production delays on the week of Edson episode, so we've delayed that episode for one more week. It will be out next week, so stay tuned for that. It's going to be a great episode. In the meantime, I wanted to share with everybody my experience of being interviewed by Lars Larson on the Lars Larson Show in Portland, Oregon. For those of you who do not know who Lars Larson is, he's a conservative radio show host who has a program that's syndicated across the country, and he also has a local program out of the Portland, Oregon area. I was on his local program talking about the Joan Lee Hall case. For those of you who've been following, I've been tirelessly advocating for Joni's case because of some of the situations that have arisen lately. After I recorded this episode of Joni Hall with Gwen Berenger of A Light for Erica and Jesse Veltstra, who is a missing and unidentified persons advocate, I decided to work with Dina Rush on doing more research into Joni's case because I wanted to see where we could stand by making a complaint to the DA about the impropriety in this case and what can be done about that. Because I feel like there's some kind of way it could be prosecuted or it could be investigated. But when we started making our calls to the Clatsop County Sheriff's Office, to the Warrenton Police Department, and started requesting records through a FOIA request, we find out that the records have been sealed for 75 years as of December 10th, 2018. That goes all the way to the year 2093. And by that time, most of us, myself included more than likely, will be dead. So I'm like, this is actually a pretty shocking revelation here. Why would law enforcement seal these records that long? What is going on here? Because at that point, 2093 would make 110 years that Joni had been missing. That's a cold, cold case at that point. And even to this point, this case has been pretty much frozen. No real credible leads, a lot of impropriety, and just a lot of questions that need to be answered in this case. Because of some of these revelations, the group that I've been working with in Joni's case, we've been trying to push the judges, the DA, and others involved to release the records so that way people can take a look at them and see for themselves what kind of issues has been happening in this investigation. And I understand, folks, that sometimes missing persons records, even unidentified persons in homicide cases, are exempt from public record. However, I believe that exempting them from public record is one thing, but to seal them in a court of law is a whole different level of keeping these records away from the public. So we made some noise and Lars Larson sent me an email saying that he is interested in hearing this story to see why this case is being sealed for that long. So with that being said, on this mini episode, I am going to release this interview that I did with Lars Larson. It was about 10 minutes, but I feel like I got my point across, even though I was pretty excited and nervous at the same time. In fact, I was on a fishing trip when this happened. There was a lot of distractions at the time for me, but I think I made my point, although I did forget to answer his last question. I was just so worked up that I did not really hear it. So with that being said, go ahead, 
listen to this. It's a great interview. On that note, we'll be back next week with the episode on Reet Jervetson. You won't want to miss that. It's going to be a great episode. And yeah, we'll be back to normal here soon. I do want to thank our sponsors for today. Crime Time Nerds, a sister podcast. Be sure to listen to them anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. And CrimeWatchers.net. In pursuit of the missing, the unidentified, and justice. Create your free account and start talking about some of the cases that I cover and more at CrimeWatchers.net. I'm Jason Futch, and I will see you on the next episode of From the Vault. Have a great week. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you on a First Amendment Friday. Glad to get to your calls, and I'll get back to those in just a moment. But I'm really curious about a case involving some sealed records of a missing persons case uh, that is 40 years old. And I thought I'd talk to Jason Futch, who is looking into this and has been looking into this. Uh, Jason, you wrote to me. You call yourself an independent researcher, and you're so ch- searching for Joni Lee Hall, who disappeared en route to Warrington Grade School back on September 30th, 1983. Um, welcome to the program. Uh, tell me, I- I'm just curious, before we talk about Joni Lee Hall, why is your why are you interested in this case in particular and why do you think the authorities have sealed the records of a 40-year-old missing persons case? Thank you for having me on Lars, pleasure to be here. Yeah, so I've been interested in this case for some time now, the last couple of years. I used to live in Portland, Oregon, and uh, a friend of mine, Dina Rush, she is one of Tony's biggest advocates. She introduced me to this case. I started looking into it. I think one of the biggest reasons that the Clatsop County Sheriff's Office has chosen to seal these records is because of some improprieties that were located in this case early on in the investigation. And I can definitely get into that with you in a second, but... Um, sure. With Joni's case, this is just like a big case of something very fishy. You don't see anything like this in a lot of missing persons cases. You just don't. In typical missing persons cases, you either have a runaway, you have a kidnapping, and sometime later they're located. Uh, But in this particular instance, you have a woman who was dropped off at a mini-mart. She's walking to the Warrington grade school, and then she's never seen again. I mean, now, by, by the way, fill in that gap. Why was she walking to Warrington grade school? Did she work there? Did she have children there? What was going on? So she was on her way to the Warrington grade school to help her aunt tutor some kids over there and help her grade some papers because her aunt Ruth was a school teacher there at the Warrington grade school. And so basically she was just uh, going to help her out at the school. Yep. And how old was she at the time? She was 17, going on 18, and on top of that, just the previous night, she had been elected to the uh, Clatsop County Sheriff's Office Explorer's Post, and that was a unique milestone because she was also the first girl elected to the post. Just the night before, and then the next day she just goes missing? Exactly. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. because. And I'll kind of also explain a little bit here, too, because uh, that evening she was supposed to see her brother Chuck, Chuck did not see Joni anywhere. They even checked the football game that was happening that evening. And then throughout the weekend, they did some minute searching. They didn't really do a big, thorough like search like with canines and all that stuff. They just considered this case a runaway case. So they yes, did not act seventeen. On- that that actually makes sense, Jason. I mean, I've covered a lot of runaway cases, and and people yeah. real don't realize one and a half million kids go missing every year, and most of them come home right. within a day or two. And I think there are only yeah. about six thousand stranger abductions in the country mm-hmm. every year. So it's a relatively right rare thing to happen 
when did the community actually get really concerned back in 83? So I will say this was very unique with Joni's case because she had nothing to run away from. She had a really happy life, really happy childhood. But the community started getting suspicious right away, but it didn't take until Tuesday, the following Tuesday, before the Clatsop County Sheriff's Office actually took control of the investigation and began doing interrogations with some of the people of interest, including the last person she was seen with, a gentleman by the name of Mike Moore, who is now deceased. And he was the one that had dropped her off at the Mini Mart, supposedly. And here's what where the story Stop starts. for a second, Jason. What was yeah. his relationship to Joni? Was he a friend or what? Yeah, uh, he was a friend of Joni's and also a classmate as well uh, over at Warrington High School. He was going to give her a ride to the grade school, so that way she didn't have to walk all the, all the way over to the grade school. But then uh, on the way to the grade school, she requested to go to the Mini Mart because she wanted to purchase a coat. She was thirsty. So, yeah, I mean, so basically they took this trip to the store. And then, like I said, it was the last time anyone saw her until three boys that knew Mike Moore said that they had last seen Joni at 4 p.m. in somebody's driveway. Yeah, it, it's just it's just insane because... Well, and, and, and you know what's odd about that, Jason? You offer somebody a ride and you say, I'll give you a ride to the, to the, you know, the grade school. And, and you say, I'm thirsty. Well, if they want to stop for two seconds to run into the store and grab a Coke and come back out, you don't say, well, I'm so busy, I can't wait for you for one minute or two minutes while you run into a little store and buy a Coke and run back out. I'll give you a ride the rest of the way. That one one kind of does doesn't add up. Originally, uh, it was thought that he would take her to the grade school after the stop, but apparently, while he was waiting on her, she told him and another individual, a guy by the name of Mike, he said, she said that she didn't need a ride to the school. She was going to go ahead and walk over to the grade school instead. Why she made that decision is still unclear, but what I will say is, you know, when she was seen in that driveway, everyone said that it was Joni Hall in the car with Mike Moore. But then later on, The deputy who interrogated them said that they recanted their statements, and it was a woman named Teresa Wood. And here is the kicker for you, Lars. The person who interviewed these boys was a deputy by the name of Gerald Bash. Yeah. Because the boy that he interrogated was his own son. Hold on. His own son. Hold on. Hold on. Everybody in law enforcement would say, I mean, even in a small community, you'd say, if I need to do an interview and it's a member of my family, I I get another deputy to do that interview so that everybody stays clean on it, right? What was his explanation for why he would interview his own son about a missing person? Yeah, and see, and, and that's the weird part about it is that the interviews his own son, and the same interviews they are they're recanting their statements about seeing Joni with Mike Moore in the driveway, and that it was another woman named Teresa Woods. And then here's another real kicker, Lars. A couple of days later, the deputy's son moves to California. Okay, now, yeah, and this is why this case is still open forty years later. But the records have now been a sealed by a former judge who's now retired a couple of years ago, sealed yep. till 2093, uh, but it's still considered apparently an open case at this point. Jason, do you have a website that, uh, that details some of the other uh, things involved in this case? Uh, yes, sir. You can go to Joni Hall's Facebook page. It's a page dedicated to her memory and also discusses more in-depth about her case as well. You can go to www.facebook.com slash Joni Hall Missing. Very good. Jason, I'm going to have to jump to the break, and I very much appreciate you talking about this case. It's First Amendment Friday.